0: Good morning, morning. Perimeter Road Baptist Church. It is a great day. It is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it. A great day. A great day. In the midst of all the things that seems to be going on within our world, within our communities, within our neighborhoods, within our homes, it is a great day. It's a great day. Not to excuse the problems that we're suffering within our jobs, the things that are happening with our loved ones, It is a great day. For perception of the day is everything. Perception is everything. How we perceive today is how the day will be responded in our life. How we perceive it individually. And each one of us have different perspectives. We have a different perspective on life. We have a different perspective on what we expect from life. As I walked around today and I met the Perimeter family, it was a blessing. It was a blessing here how everyone... Loves and how everyone cares. But yet everyone has an expectancy of life. Some are in college. Some are in military. Some have families, husbands and wives. And we find ourselves all having different expectations. And that is a good thing. But there is one area that I come to warn us about today that we cannot have a difference of opinion and expectation. And that is who our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is. We cannot have a difference of opinion there. We cannot have a misunderstanding of who he is. If you will, if you will turn your Bibles to the gospel according to Luke, the second chapter, the seventh chapter. The last verse, the 50th verse, there in the 7th chapter of Luke. Jesus says unto the woman, and he said to the woman, Thou faith has saved thee, go in peace if you will this morning let us look at how far will your faith take you how far will your faith take you will your faith yield you a reward as the woman has here where not only did she re- receive life but life more abundantly not only did the woman's faith yield her life he says And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee, but not only has it saved her, but go in peace. Many of us, even as Christians, are struggling, even though we're saved, we're struggling. We're struggling in life. We're struggling on our jobs, with our occupations, whether or not we're making enough money to survive and take care of our families, or pay for college, we're struggling. Even with the job, we find that there's a burden there that is not being fulfilled. That's happening all through America. The problem is not unemployment, it's underemployment. Statement by Martin Luther King. It was then in the 60s, and it still is now. The burden that many of us are having as mothers and fathers with our children. We raise them right, we teach them right, and they still have experiences and just seems as though they they can't hear for the life of it. And regardless of whether or not we've been young, which we have been young, and our parents say we did the same thing, we find it very burdensome when they're doing it to us. Many of us are experiencing different things within our health. Having health issues within ourselves and our spouse or our children or our loved ones. And we're depressed and oppressed. You hear it all on the news of how they're dealing with the thing of legalizing marijuana because little babies are struggling. Parents are suffering off of that. Because as a parent, we can't stand to see our child suffer. They used to have an old saying, say, it hurts me more than it hurts you. And it really does. I can't even stand to see my child have a cold when he was a baby. And a pediatrician used to be like, Mr. Taylor, it's all right. It's really not that bad. I'm like, but it doesn't seem like he's or she is breathing because I've got three of them. And and they're like, Mr. Taylor, it's all right. But I'm like, you're not getting it, Doc. They're suffering. It's all right, Mr. Taylor. It's all right. Trust us. It's all right. So where do we turn to? What is our expectancy of our faith? Will your faith yield you a reward? Here, as we look in the seventh chapter, we see different people coming to Christ within their own perspective. Here in the seventh chapter begins out with a centurion. There was a man of leadership and he understood authority and he understood leadership and he summoned the Jews to go to Jesus. As a leader, he knew he had authority. He knew that Jesus had authority, so he didn't just send somebody. He sent the elders of the Jews to Jesus because he understood how authority works. So his perception was from an authoritative position. So he sent them out and as they got closer, Jesus was coming. He now sends his friends to Jesus. And he tells them, don't come. Tell Jesus not to come to his house for his house was not worthy. And then secondly, neither was he worthy. His perception of Jesus was from an authoritative position. He said, Lord, if you just send the word, my servant will be healed. He understood authority. But how many of us know today that Jesus is just for the asking? He's just for the asking. Many of us think that we're having to come in a particular way in a particular manner when all he said is just come. Many of us are doing all this preparation trying to get ourselves prepared for something when all we have to do is just come and ask. He said you have not because you ask not. And many of us, because of our faith, because of our perspective, we are going in want and the things that we're desiring for life in it more abundantly. And it's not necessary because Christ came that we would have life and it more abundantly. But many of us are living only in the life and never receiving the abundance because of our perspective. He goes on, and he gives the example, the Bible gives the example, in the next example of a man being carried out, a boy being carried out. He was dead already, and he's being carried out of town, and he comes upon, and he sees the boy dead, and he sees the mom weeping, and he sees a whole lot of people with the mom from the city, and they were weeping. And here, nobody asked Jesus. Nobody asked. Nobody sent a delegation out here as the centurion did. Nobody sent a second delegation out. Jesus simply saw them, and because of his love for them, it moved him in an act of compassion. because Jesus understood the woman's position deeply. He understood here in the lesson, it says, not only was it her only son, but that she was also a what? A widow. Based on that, we know the story of Ruth and Naomi. That means she had no what? No inheritance, she had nothing. She had nothing. Nothing. But nobody asked. Nobody said anything to Jesus. Jesus simply stopped them. Raised the son and brought him to his mother. God loves us. Jesus loves us. God loves us as a father loves their children. And his desire is not to hold anything back. No good thing does he desire to be held back from us. No good thing. Will your faith in him reward you? Here in this lesson, the woman's faith rewarded her. Here in this direct lesson, here the Pharisees' perception of who Jesus was caused a major problem. That he was just a prophet or one of the other prophets. That was the word that was going out. Out of all that he did, the works that he did, they said, oh, he was a great prophet. And many of us have great perceptions of Jesus, but they are not as one of him as being the Christ, the son of God. Many of us, even though we have professed Christ in our lives, Are struggling with the reality of in our real daily lives of Him being the Christ and supplying all of our needs. I struggle with it. I struggle with it daily, I struggle with it hourly. I can be honest about it, because it's only in my honesty will God in continue to increase my faith, that my faith will yield me a reward. God and Jesus is wanting to increase all of our faith. That there will be a harvest, not just for us, but the entire world. Brian was telling me about the 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 the, the uh pledge for this year, the twelve, and how he's asked everyone to go out and just do twelve multiplication. And many of us might say, "Well, that's not going to help me. That's it's not helping my situation. It's not directly helping me, and so therefore, you don't. It, it has no value to you, so you won't do it." Some people here, Brian, does not does not have it does not have a value to them to go out and bring twelve to the church. But it is that perception that has landed America where it is now. The level of lostness right now in America impacts all of us directly. It it impacts you at school. It impacts you on your job. It impacts you, many of us, with our spouses. Your spouse may or may not have been saved when you met them. You remember what that impact was? It was a direct impact on your joy and your peace. It is a direct impact on you being at work when you are very qualified for the job, overqualified for the job, but just because somebody doesn't like you, they're making life on the job hell. And many people are going through hell on their jobs. Many of us are caring about someone that we could take for our spouse. But because nobody made an impact on that person, and as much as you care about them, life is hell. Our schools right now are up under the greatest attack because we did not make the impact on someone that we could have made. And unfortunately, our decisions are like a boomerang. They do come back. What you reap, you will sow. You may not think it's impacting you directly, but it is impacting you directly. I encourage you to take another perception, another look at your 12. Not only your 12, but your 40, your 100. We were talking about that in the college. Session this morning. How now, with the, the, the whole network and this thing, that, and the other, how they, what is it, tweet, what, what is it, 4,400? What is, it? come on, y'all, help me out this morning. <laughs> I told them, I, you know, my kids are having to help me with that because I'm like, man, that's a, that's a great opportunity to change lives, to change people's perception. So that our family will grow bigger than the family is now. That when we walk around the whole county, everybody knows everybody. Everybody's in love with everybody. Everybody's helping everybody. You know what it was like in acting? It said they had all things, what? In common. It's a great thing. I've I've been blessed to be here today. But you have to understand, this is not every place. It's not like this where I'm at, Brian. Many of you know about the city of Atlanta. You don't get to go into schools in the city of Atlanta with Christ. It's a war there. You don't get to see Christ in the parks. It's a war zone. In the government, anything. Because when we all left the city in the 70s and 80s and went to the suburbs, we took Christ with us. So there was no Christ in the cities anymore. There's no even foundation in the cities anymore. And that is impacting all of us. How will our faith reward us? How will your faith reward you? For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Jesus came through the work, of, through the work, died and suffered for us, stayed on the cross and rose, that we would be in power through the presence of the Holy Spirit. He said, "I must go that the Comforter will come." He, came, he sent back the Comforter that we would be in power to do a work, and that work. Is a manifestation of the life and expectancy of the life that each one of us has a perception for. Whatever you bound on earth, I bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I loose in what? Heaven. So what do you perceive of what level of impact do you perceive that you have? Many of us perceive ourselves to be, oh, I'm just one. I say you're one in Christ. That's a difference. That's a difference. You're not just one, but you're one in Christ. That's a whole other. The difference was, if you read here in the scripture, they had a testimony. What was the testimony? Let me see what it says here. Um, That a great prophet has risen among us. That's not what God said. God said his name shall be Emmanuel. God, what? With us. There's a difference between being amongst us and with us. God is with us. And if God is with you, there is nothing that shall be impossible for you to do. For Jesus said that it is impossible with man, but all things are possible through him. So that's when we read the lessons and the stories of Paul, how Paul was shipwrecked and nothing happened. Because God was what? With him in the middle of the sea. In the middle of the water, no wrath, no anything, but God was with him. And he continued to make it safely. When the viper was on his finger and they perceived that he should have been dead because God was with him, he was still alive. There's no death in Jesus Christ. There is no sickness in Jesus Christ. There is no want in Jesus Christ. Whatever it may be, whatever the issue is, whatever you're going through, and we're all going through something, I encourage you to go through it in Jesus Christ. If you can only believe. If you can only have faith. Everything will change. Young man was telling me this morning about going to UCLA. And uh, I remembered uh, Brian back when uh, I was wanting to go to college. And I screwed up real bad. Screwed up real bad. Very talented, very gifted, but did not prepare myself. So when it came SAT time, oh, I messed up. So you know how you get the letters and you send the letters out to where you want to go. And I only wanted to go to Syracuse. I only wanted to go to Syracuse. And I only sent letters to Syracuse. And I got a letter back from Syracuse accepting me. My brothers were extremely mad. They were 12 and 14 years old than I am. And they were used to taking care of me because I came from a very poor background, not a very humble background, but a very poor background. And they were like, we're not going to help with that. You can go to school right here and it wouldn't cost you anything. I said, no, I'm not going to school. here. I don't want to go to school here. But Syracuse wasn't giving me any money. No money. so I went to Syracuse that freshman year and when I got there, I found out just how ignorant I was. I flunked out in my freshman year. These kids were coming in from private schools. They had portfolios. They had been studying all their life. They were awesome. They were were giants. And I flunked out. And as I'm packing up that spring, getting ready to come home, that was an little yellow notey on my desk saying that the dean wanted to see me. So I proceed to go down to the dean's office. Come on in, Mr. Taylor. And we began to sit there and have a conversation. And he was explaining to me how ignorant I was. And I proceeded to agree how ignorant I was because the light bulb had really went off And that year of being in college, of how unprepared I was. He said, so what are you going to do, Mr. Taylor? And it's very heavy German dialect. And I said, well, I'm going to go back to Atlanta and I prepare to come back because I understand what is necessary now. He says, you're going to go home and prepare to come back? I said, yes, sir, because I want to come to Syracuse. I want to graduate from Syracuse. He says, well, you go home and you think about it, and if you decide to come back, if you make it up here, everything is on me. How do you flunk out and get a full scholarship? <laughs> How have you flunked out of college and get a full scholarship? Not only did they give me a full ride, but he took me to Europe and he toured me all over. I went from the least in my class to the top of my class because God had a plan. He had a purpose to increase my faith, that I would help increase others' faith. I'm a living example of what God can do. I can go on and tell you about my whole story and how God just always had a hand. For me to be able to talk about faith. I can tell you about how I shouldn't have a eye. How I shouldn't have a leg. And the marks are there and the scars are there. How I shouldn't have a thumb. How I shouldn't be here because my other me- family members and my brothers have already passed. And my family, we died 44. Cancer. But how many know there's no death in Christ Jesus? I don't mean eternally. As many of us think, many of us only have that perception. And, you know, a lot of people don't even like that anymore. Well, I might as well go and have a good time on this side if I got to wait for eternity. But I'm talking about on this side. With Christ coming, we're not meant to die. I'm not dying at 44. I'm not dying at 51. I'm not dying at 75. Because I've already died. I put this flesh to death every day. That I can truly have faith in Jesus. That I can truly believe and perceive the things of kingdom. Let me say that again. I put this flesh to death. I put this world to death. That I can truly understand and perceive the things of the kingdom of heaven how it works how it manifests itself how it rewards seek ye the kingdom of heaven first in all of its righteousness and all other things shall be what added unto you I encourage you today I encourage you today to strengthen your faith that your faith will raise the dead That your faith will give you peace and the rest that God has promised you. That you would not live in a burdensome mind, that you would not live in a burdensome state, that you would not live in a hellish place, but that you would believe and you would be rewarded, not just life, but life more abundantly, which is the peace of God. The eternal peace of God will dwell with each one of you here at Perimeter. Thank you. Amen. 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 Amen.